Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Welcome back to another episode of FCN's podcast. Emily, what are we talking about today? Today, we are talking about scarcity mindset, and we are not talking about scarcity mindset in the way that many of us coaches would talk about scarcity mindset with our clients, but instead we're talking about you, dear financial coach. I've been watching um, Bridgerton lately again, so dear financial coach. Um, scarcity mindset in your business and how that impacts you and how it can show up and maybe even some strategies for how to work with it. And yeah. So can we start with what is scarcity mindset really, really broadly, really, really quickly? And then how does scarcity mindset show up in business? Okay. So broadly speaking, (laughs) Just in case anybody out there is like, what scarcity mindset? I've never heard of that. Yeah. So scarcity mindset is where you have a perspective of scarcity, right? There's a lack of resources, both for yourself and in the world. And those thoughts start to affect your attention, your behavior, right? Your decision-making process. Your decision-making, yeah, your, your mental states. And this is regardless of whether the lack of resources, right, is real or not, yeah. <laughs> right? So there could be an absolute lack of resources and you could still have a scarcity of mindset that is negatively impacting you. So this is not just the idea of things aren't actually scarce, but sometimes they are, but you're allowing your focus and your attention on it to negatively impact your mindset and negatively negatively impact your decision-making and behaviors. Is it safe uh, so that to is, say, broadly speaking, what we're talking about. Is it safe to say that when you're operating from a scarcity mindset, a lot of decisions are made out of fear? Oftentimes, yeah. So a lot of decisions are made out of fear. Uh, decisions can be made out of all sorts of things can happen <laughs> when, when, that, when that happens. You know, the idea that resources are limited and it oftentimes leads to uh, hyperfixation. Uh, it leads to short-term coping uh, as opposed to long-term problem solving, right? And, you know, it has other things. It increases stress. It increases jealousy, right? You, you in the case of, you know, the Financial Coaches Community Facebook group, when someone posts a thing about how, oh, I just had my fifth client or whatever, we're not happy for them. We're kind of like, well, what the hell? Why don't I have that, right? <laughs> so there, there's a lot that kind of comes out of that and a lot of medical research that both psychology and physiological medical research that talks about the problems with the scarcity mindset across the board. So you just touched on one, you know, seeing seeing somebody else having success 
And rather than being like, wow, that's so cool. Maybe I can do that too. Being like, oh, that's not fair. I want to do that. What are some other ways that scarcity mindset manifests in business, in running your business and running yeah. specifically your financial coaching business? Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, we can kind of talk about some of the things I already mentioned and, and apply them very specifically to some experiences that people might have. So the idea of hyperfixation. With a, oftentimes with a scarcity mindset, we become hyper fixated on particular parts of our business. So we might become hyper fixated on our website and you might spend 14 hours working on your website because you think that that's the way that it's going to fix all this stress that's coming as a result of this. Or, or we might become hyper fixated on our pricing and trying to figure out, you know, how can I give discounts and other things along those lines. With regard to, you know, leading to short-term coping rather than long-term problem solving, right? We start to look for silver bullets for our marketing, or we start to look for ways that we can cut costs in our business because I wanted this amount of revenue. It's not coming in and I'm paying let's say $500 a month for this business. And I wanted it to be a profitable business. And so we look for short-term coping mechanisms. How can I cut that five, that $500 loss, right? And instead of, you know, how can I cut costs so that I remove that $500 loss as opposed to long-term problem solving? What things can I do? Possibly reinvesting what I'm already doing or possibly adding to my investment into what I'm doing for my business, whether it's a time investment or a monetary investment but kind of reallocating my time and monetary resources in order to grow the income, right? The long-term problem solving. You are never going to cut costs to profitability in a business, <laughs> right? That just kind does. of like to a certain extent when we're working with our clients, you can't budget your way out sometimes. Sometimes you can. Most people have areas where they can trim costs. Oh, I would increasing say- Increasing income is as valid of a, as a solution to- Hey, we're spending more than we earn. Yeah. As decreasing costs, because to a certain extent, there's only so low you can go. Yeah. And I would say that you absolutely cannot budget your way out. Yeah. It, it's not possible. There are things that you can do to reallocate your budget to make it better for you, focus mm -hmm. more on your future rather than your past, if you will. Uh, absolutely, you can do that. There are priorities you can make with regards to making sure that you're spending your budget in the best way possible but there is only so much you can do with your budget. It's just factually speaking, you need a place to live. Rent costs a minimum of X amount of dollars in your area. That's the, that's the bottom line. You're not gonna yeah. budget below that. You need to eat. Exactly. Right? And if we go to the idea of, well, let's just cut down uh, our food budget, that can actually put you behind financially with regard to, uh, healthcare costs mm -hmm. and other things over the long term. You can you, eat ramen every day, which is not be good for you. That may you know? have impacts on, as you said, your healthcare costs. Yeah, and so we take that and we apply that to the to the coaching business. You can cut out your marketing budget, and that's going to short term right the ship, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. But over the long term, it's going to cause your business to fail. Right. So there's a, you know, the, the idea of the short-term coping instead of long-term problem solving, we can really map those things onto 
you know, from what we do with clients and then what we are actually still doing with our business. And then stress, right? It, it stress is probably the biggest one because the whenever you have a scarcity mindset, you stop viewing spending on your business as an investment and you start viewing it as an expense. And that creates stress, right? There's a ton of stress that comes around the idea of, you know, where am I going to come up with this money, right? Uh, it's one of the reasons why I still to this day have not taken any money out of my financial planning business. It's because I am viewing that entire business as investing into that future. So I'm maximizing spending, maximizing spending in a strategic way, right? But I'm maximizing spending in the business uh, as opposed to putting myself in a position where I need to rely on it, in which case I'm more susceptible to the scarcity mindset. Right now, I'm in a lucky position to be able to do that. I just right? say, so for the many people listening who do not have 16 million different things that they're doing like you do, um, and are focusing on the one financial coaching business that they, whether they need it, whether they need that income now, or whether they're really trying to build it to replace their day job. Um, well, I feel like that's a different, so let, let's say they lost their job. Somebody lost their job or quit their job or something happened. They need income. How do you deal with the, I mean, it, it feels somewhat inevitable that I have no income. I need income. You're going to be operating out of that place of, I need everything I can get. I need to keep expenses low. I need to get income coming in. How do you build an abundance mindset, a non-scarcity mindset, a growth mindset when you feel like you need to make changes right now, when you're, when you're stuck in that short-term pattern? Yeah. So I'm going to address and, and different people coming at this with a different triggering event that's caused this right? Mm -hmm. Are going to have a very different answer to this, but I'll address the specific one that you said, which is you lost your job. Yeah. Right. And two things for that. Number one, in that scenario, if you are looking at, I need this to make an income, right? If you need it to make a profit and start replacing your income within six months, go get another job, right? Don't, don't do this, right? Uh, you can do it, just do it on the side, mm -hmm. right? um, you know, and if you're looking at it, well, I need this within the next year or two, then you want to spend as much money as possible strategically and responsibly, but you want to spend as much money as possible to make that happen, right? Uh, trying to cut expenses, what that is going to do is it's going to prolong the amount of time until you hit that goal. The same way as if you are trying to save up for a down payment on a house and you say, well, I'm going to cut the expenses of saving for the down payment in order to be able to buy the house, that's going to cause the goal to be further out. <laughs> or even, right? I mean, this is less direct, but I'm going to, and perhaps in some cases, this might be a good option. In general, most people would say it's probably not. It's also probably investment advice. I don't actually give this advice, but I'm going to pull money from my 401k to buy a house. In many cases, not in all cases, in many cases, that's hamstringing the future retirement goals 
for the immediate for, goal of uh, the house. For the immediate goal of the house, yeah. Which again, investment advice, don't tell clients. Right. Yeah. Right. Anyway, disclaimer, disclaimer. So so there's that. There's also, I would highly encourage that person not to make any profit on the business. To to yeah. re- literally reinvest every possible thing they can and possibly even do losses because you've got unemployment. Hmm. So use that period of unemployment in order to be able to put everything into the business and grow the business faster, right? Now, if you are planning to quit your job, then I would say you want to have at least two years of realistic expenses for the business. That's investing in the business, not trying to scrimp at it, right? Not bare bones. Not bare bones. Yeah. Fully investing in the business plus your monthly, your contribution to the monthly family um, costs, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And have that saved up. And, you know, you, again, your goal is to spend that money as fast as you responsibly can so that you could move from the business is not able to provide that income to your to the business is able to provide that income faster right trying to make that savings account stretch is a really good way at failing at that timeline mm-hmm. right and so that you know if, if you're in that position then i would say just wait a little bit longer keep doing it part time until you've got 2 years of really, really good at business investment capital built up mm-hmm. and two years of spending and then go into it with the plan of my goal is to spend this money and to spend it as fast as I responsibly can, right? And Should that means- you know going in a ballpark of what you're going to be spending the money on or have ideas? Ideally, yeah. Because otherwise you're like, I don't know, $50 a month seems great. And then you're like, oh, actually I should be spending $5,000 a month or I don't know, $5,000 a month seems great. And then you're like, oh, I I ran out of things to spend money on, which I feel like is generally not the issue, but. Yeah, I would say you de- absolutely want to have that, um, have, a, have an idea of what that uh, cost would look like. Uh, you want to make sure that you have a hefty amount toward um technology and other support. You want to have a hefty amount toward marketing on a monthly basis. Um, and because you want to make sure that you have a sufficient amount of money that you can put into this business in order for it to grow. You could have the best coaching process in the world. And if you have no marketing in mm-hmm. order to actually let people know about it, you are going to be subject to just your friends and family who are probably the least likely people to say yes. (laughs) Right. They may be a great source of talking about you to other people, Mm -hmm. but most, if you think about yourself personally, dear listener, to throw back to the opening, um, working with somebody that you know personally, a close friend or a family member, to lay out all of your finances, even as a financial coach, probably for most people gives a little bit of a, eh, I don't know if I want to do that. There's yeah. something about opening up about that to a stranger that feels much more doable than somebody that you trust, which is kind of backwards. It's psychology weird. is yeah. fascinating, it's but 
It's true. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's that's a big part of you know where where you are in that journey. Now let's say you're already in the you've already quit your job. Yeah. <laughs> you, I, that, that ship has sailed. <laughs> uh then what it really comes down to is reevaluating what the next step is. Mm. Right. If you have a spouse that is capable of sort of sustaining things, great. Then just push forward. And I, I think that there are a significant number of financial coaches that of and aspiring financial coaches that are in that position, right? Where they have a spouse that can sort of sustain things, um, or they have a full time job that can sustain things, and they can kind of work on this on the side. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you are in the position of having a full time job, you should spend even more money, <laughs> right? Not less. And the reason for that is is because you don't have the time to make the mistake of trying to do everything yourself. The 10 hours you spend perfecting your social media posts for the next month could have been better spent paying somebody to do that. And then you do the things that you can do or whatever. And so that's, that's a big uh, part of it as well is really looking at um, what is your overall, what what are you going to best spend your time on? And this is not just in your coaching business. This is when we look at every aspect of your life, right? Where's your time best spent? And then paying for other companies and other people to do the rest, (laughs) right? So it sounds like one, well, go ahead. I was going to go pivot, so go ahead. (laughs) The natural response to that is, yeah, but why should I pay for people, for other people when I can do it myself, Right. That response is a scarcity mindset response. Mm. Right? That response is, if I spend money on it, that is a waste of money because there's only so much money that's available, right? Uh, so that response that we have is absolutely a scarcity mindset response. And it is a very, it is the normal response yeah. because humans naturally have a scarcity mindset. (laughs) So that dovetails into what I was going to say, which Mm -hmm. it sounds like, you know, preparation is one good way to combat scarcity mindset. If you have a plan, you have something set up, you know what you're going to do. It's a lot easier to go, oh yeah, I already have this plan. I'm going to stick to it rather than uh, running around like a chicken with your head cut off. What are some other things that we can do to notice when scarcity mindset is cropping up and to work with it. Obviously noticing it is the first step because if you don't notice it, then you're not going to notice it. Shocker. Um, But so how how do you notice this and what are some strategies to work past it? So I think the way that you notice it is you notice it by seeing you're having a response where you're feeling you have to cut in some way, right? Mm-hmm. You're having a response where you feel you have to, you know, stop spending on X or not do this because it's more money that I want, right? That then I'm comfortable with, right? Now, sometimes things are more expensive than you can afford to pay. Totally fine, right? Mm-hmm. 
But just realize that when you're experiencing that, that is a scarcity mindset. The scarcity mindset is not always wrong. Sometimes there is a lack of resources, (laughs) right? But we want to make sure that we don't allow that scarcity mindset to automatically make us assume that there is a true lack of resource, right? So whenever you feel like, oh, that's expensive, whenever you feel like, oh, that's too much money, whenever you feel like I can't afford that or I should cut that, automatically that is a trigger that you're in a scarcity mindset. And so that's kind of the first thing that we that you need to do with regards to awareness. As far as how do they, I then go about changing it, right? Uh, there's a few things that the medical research says uh, so help support managing and changing a scarcity mindset. Okay. Uh, the first thing is collaborative relationships. Mm. Right. So having a group of supportive people that you have a collaborative relationship with. Being in our Facebook group is not a collaborative relationship. <laughs> what? We can't have a collaborative relationship with 5,000 of our closest friends? No. And even if you are in the Facebook group and talking with one or two other people, that is not a collaborative relationship, right? Collaborative relationship requires true collaboration and true relationship. It's the reason why in launch, we do cohorts three times a year so we can put people into masterminds, right? Mm -hmm. So that they have a group of people that they can have a collaborative relationship around. And so when we look at fostering that collaborative relationship and and building it, that's one of the, the key things. Now, it's very important that everyone in that is all on the same page of trying to fight against a scarcity mindset. Because right. if you have someone with a very hard scarcity mindset and doesn't have that doesn't have motivation to change their scarcity mindset, right? That views everything as I should cut expenses. Well, they're cutting that is actually going to drag down like a the great entire idea. Group. Yeah. Yeah. Going to yeah. drag down the entire group. Uh, second, practice gratitude. Mm. Right. When you, I don't recommend that you look at your web statistics, but when you look at your web statistics, right? And I'll see posts like this in the Facebook group where people say, I I had like 300 people come to my website last uh, month and not a single one signed up. Mm -hmm. Wow. You had 300 300 people. people. Great. That's amazing. Right. Right. Focus on the positive and the gratitude. Now, not a single one signed up. Okay. That's not unusual, right? 300 isn't a large enough uh, uh, group. And maybe we might, we might want to look at that and say, ooh, maybe I should hire a company to help me mm-hmm. with or get a professional website instead of the one that I create, right? Maybe, maybe there's things that you can learn from that, but don't focus on that negative. You know, have gratitude for the things you have, even if those things aren't leading currently to the at f- final end result that you want you know, going back to that awareness, mm-hmm. right? Notice and redirect those sort of automatic thoughts that we have, right? Yeah. Notice when you have this idea of, oh my gosh, that's too expensive. And instead of playing into that, say, say to yourself, you know, consciously say to yourself, well, no, it's not too expensive. It may not be the right thing for me at this time, but it's not too expensive. 
And I don't know whether it's the right thing for me at this time. Maybe it's something I should investigate more, right? Try to redirect those automatic thoughts towards a more positive thing, right? What would be the benefits if I spent on this? That reminds me, um, I have a six-year-old daughter and I I have been very aware, very conscious of what language I use to talk about money around her. Um, Mm -hmm. So one thing that I always say that I've told a lot to a lot of other people is, I never say that's too expensive. I never say we can't afford that. I never say things like that. I say, oh, wow, yeah, that's cool. So I, you know, she's like, oh, I want this. Wow, that's really cool. But we're gonna choose to use our money for this instead. To not, to just have that right. language of, we're just, we could buy it, but we're choosing to save our money for this. Or we could do that, but we would rather use it in this way. Yeah. So that could be a good, when you go, oh man, that training is so cool, but it's too expensive. No, that training is really cool and I'm going to do it in the future or that money is that training is really cool. And it's a totally worthwhile and yeah, it's a totally worthwhile investment in my business, but and for right now or and and. yeah, and thank you. And for right now, that money would be better used over here in my business. Yeah. 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 I think that's making the choice. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, It's too expensive, completely relieves you of the choice. You don't have a choice. It's too expensive. You just can't afford it. I could have that and I am choosing not to gives you the power back kind of. Yeah. And then advocating and giving support to others, Mm. right? That's, that's a big, there's a ton of research around the idea of the positive effects of supporting other people. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a, you know, a big part of the collaborative relationship as well is when you have positive collaborative relationships where everyone has an abundance mindset of the businesses can be successful. There's enough clients to go around. Uh, You know, me spending in my business is not spending money. It's investing in that future income, right? When everyone has that type of environment, it makes it really easy to advocate for each other and support each other. It makes it easy for when a client comes to you, that's not quite right, but it's better for another person in the group, right? Giving support to that other person. And when you do that, it actually really does in the the research shows, it really does create a more of an abundance mindset within you because you're not just saying there's enough clients to go around. And if I give up this client, it doesn't mean I'm going to fail because my success isn't determined by whether or not I get this one client and it's not determined by whether or not this other person has the, has a client. Right. Mm-hmm. And you, then you act on it by actually referring a client away. Uh, that really does change your mindset. Uh, it, it goes a long way towards changing your mindset away from a uh, scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset. That was going to kind of touch on the last thing I wanted to talk about, which was a lot of what we've discussed has been, focused around like investing in your business, the monetary side, but obviously scarcity mindset also manifests with clients of, no, this client really doesn't sound, I I really don't think I'd like to work with this client, but I need the money, which I Mm -hmm. guess is still money, obviously, because clients equal income. Um, Or I've started working with this client and it's just not a good fit, but I can't let them go because I need the money. So how do you, is it the same strategies? Are there different strategies when it comes to non- directly financial the clients are kind of directly financial, but yeah. Is there, are there any different nuances in that situation, I guess? 
I think a lot of it is the same strategies, but there are, there is an an additional one that I think is really important. And that is having a really well-defined niche Mm. because when you don't have a well-defined niche, right? When you say, I help people with credit card debt, get out of credit card debt. Mm -hmm. Well, that has a lot of people. Yeah. And so when someone has credit card debt, it's really hard to let that person go not only because of the, what you identified, which is I need Mm -hmm. this money, but also Mm -hmm. because you haven't identified a real reason not to do it. Right. You're supposed to be able to help (laughs) them because you help people with credit card debt and they have credit card debt. Exactly. And so there is, there's kind of this multifaceted thing that is hooking that client into you, even if it might be an unhealthy relationship, right? When, um, And so the more you have a well-defined niche, the more you start to be able to identify whether or not a person is or is not a good fit, the easier it is psychologically to let that person go Mm -hmm. because they're not really in my niche. Yeah. One of the things that I do, and sometimes I'll have clients who will, um, Say, oh, do you have any questions for me when during the first the prospects, technically during the first sales meeting? And I say, oh, I already asked the questions. <laughs> you just didn't realize it. Right. So if there are certain things that I will say in order, because I have a niche that is partially based on the client's psychology hmm. and their relationship with money. And so there are certain things that I will say, and I will watch for their reactions to the things that I say through the conversation, you know, I'll wait for a natural point to be able to bring one of those things up. And then I'll watch for the reactions to see, do they have a mindset that's going to be outside of my niche? And if they do, then uh, that's when I'll have the opportunity to say, you know what, I don't know if this is right. Or if I'm getting an inkling of it, I'll delve into it a little bit more. And if they're outside of my niche, if they're outside of that psychological framework, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The more I delve into it, the more comfortable I get with, ooh, this is not going to be a good situation. Yeah. (laughs) This is not the thing that I want to deal with. Um, And so as you have a more well-defined niche, it becomes psychologically easier to say no to a client because not only do we have more of an abundance mentality around, I don't need the money, but we also have more of, so we have the, we don't have, we sort of cut the tie of one of the things that's keeping us there, but we can also cut the tie of the other one, which is why well, I don't really have a reason to reject them. Mm-hmm. Well, no, actually I do, <laughs> right? This is really who I serve. I'm not feeling it. Here are all the reasons I'm not feeling it. And it makes it easier. All right. In our last minute or so. hmm I have an example I can share. I also want you to share an example okay. of wh- where it's showed up. And mine is where it's showed up and I haven't done anything about it yet, but I'll get to that. So my niche is engaged couples. And way back a couple of years ago, when Josh and I were working together with basically you as my business coach, working me through launch, you were like, go to the wedding expo in your town. Like go either, you know, exhibit, even just go, but set up a booth. And I was like, it's like six or $800. I can't do that. And you're like, yeah, do it, do it anyway. 
And I haven't done it in part because COVID. I was actually going to go this year. I wasn't as a person attending just to kind of check it out. And then I was sick or my daughter was sick. I don't know. I feel like one of us has been sick for the past, what, how long since, since school started? I don't know. But so that's one place where it showed up where it's like, I can't spend $600. Like I could, I could spend $600 even if I got absolutely nothing from it because I would get something from it even if I got no clients from it. But so that's one place that it's showed up for me that I'm working on working through. <laughs> what about you? Well, you know, the easiest way to solve that, by the way, what just sign up for the next wedding expo the next right one. now. <laughs> I don't know if you, well, it's in January. So just do it. But yeah, <laughs> no, maybe we'll see. <laughs> But that response is very much, that's, that's the scarcity of mindset sort of screaming in the back. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, for me, I've got tons of them, right? I, there's just, it's constant. You know, I I've shared this story before where I bought a new computer for the business and, you know, I was switching over to Mac because of the better security mm -hmm and the easier security, uh, especially around encrypting the hard drive and everything. And when I was doing that switchover, that scarcity mindset sort of started popping into my head. I was like, oh, I can't spend that much on a computer. So I'm going to, I'm going to buy the cheaper one. And I bought a, you know, I don't even remember what I bought. And I got it and I opened it up and it looked great. And I started using it. And Every time I did something, it just took a little while longer than I wanted it to, to complete the process. And I was noticing I was just sitting, waiting too long, yeah. right? And it was costing me a lot of time. It was costing me productivity. It was making it so that something that should have, you know, a, something that should have taken me three hours took me three and a half hours. And that's mm -hmm. 30 minutes less that yeah. I could spend with my kids, right? Yeah. 30 minutes longer I had to work. And so I went and I bought the most expensive computer they had. Just turned around and went the opposite direction. Yeah. And I did not waste money on the most expensive computer I had. I wasted money on the cheapest. The cheapest. Yeah. Right. And the cheapest. Yeah. Now the cheapest was a laptop and the most expensive was a desktop. So there is somewhat of an advantage of I do have both now. Yeah. Right. But that wasn't the original plan. Right. So I, the, according to the original plan, I wasted the money by having the scarcity mindset. Uh, I've had clients, especially early in my business, where I took a client on, knew I shouldn't have taken the client on, but I did it anyway. And it was not an enjoyable process. Probably for either of you. Nope. I dreaded every time they had a, uh, we had a conversation, right? Um, actually, he was actually pretty okay with it until, yeah, I was very happy when he said, hey, is it possible to separate? I was like, oh, yeah, yes, no, please problem. leave, go away. I'll, I'll totally help you with all of that. Right. I was yeah. very happy when, when he brought that up because uh, I was dreading having to do it. Um, and he came back about six or eight months, no, probably about a year later. 
after after we separate. And he said, "Hey, so do you do you still have people? You know, do you still have space to bring me back in?" Um, and I, in a very polite way, said no, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, and in a very polite way, told him why. But basically saying, you know, this is the way that I'm currently doing my business, and I kind of laid out all those things, which were all things that I knew he didn't want. Yeah. Right. And so it was a, you know, this is, you know, I didn't have to say no to him. It was, oh yeah, I don't want any of those things. So therefore I don't want it anymore. So again, Mm -hmm. I got him to reject me, which always feels better. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, and so the, when, you know, so yeah, I mean, I've taken on a client that I shouldn't have taken on and it was miserable right? It took me longer to do any of the work with them because I wasn't excited about doing it. I was not productive the hour before every meeting because I was not looking forward to the meeting. I was not productive for the 20 or so minutes after the meeting because I was Mm self-venting, right? Afterward. And what that did was it, it, really slow down the success of my business because I was losing time, lots and lots of time. Not only the face-to-face time with that client that you could have spent with a different client, but the time before and after of yeah, and the time of the mindset issues of, oh, I hate this. This is the worst. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of doing things that could help me move my business forward, I was doing, you know, I, I was, you know, feeling sorry for myself. And so, yeah, I mean, there's tons of these examples that, that I have. And every time I've allowed the scarcity mindset to take over, because it's always there in the background, right. Mm -hmm. But every time I've allowed it to, to take over, um, it has cost me far more than what I feared spending on. Right. Yeah. It, it, it was a bad decision. Well, thank you for sharing your <laughs> terrible mistakes. <laughs> oh, I've got much, much worse mistakes that I've made. Yeah, just terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you for sharing a few mistakes. You've a made. few of them, yeah. And we'll see you all later. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.